hello, hello. I'm your host, Stephanie Martinez Rivera, and you are listening to the Joy Found Here podcast. I am obsessed with reminding my fellow mamas, queens, badass babes, ladies and girls that perfection is just a word, not a lifestyle. Multitasking is overrated. Comparison is a theft of happiness. And yes, you can put yourself first. Oh, and by the way, for optimum results, you should. I'm a New York girl from a small town, part-time badass, proud mama bear times three. I've seen 60 full turns of the sun. I've learned the importance of how kindness begins with you and your self-talk. Join us each week as we help you navigate both the messy and the magical season of this crazy ride called life. Real stories that remind us to reclaim your power. The sun does come out after the shitstorm. A good cry can be cleansing and... We really don't know who sits on top of the mountain of judgment. Sit back, plug in, fill up your cup. This is your time. Remember, you've always had the power. Welcome to Joy Found Here. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. So, God, I love what I do is all I'm going to say. I love meeting new people that they just speak your love language. So today we're speaking with Rita DeNoyers. Becoming awake. Everything always sounds so easy for us, but why isn't it? Why do we make things so hard? Becoming happier by giving yourself a break. We've heard it here a thousand times. And Rita, who has written books, does coaching, does workshops on, you know, self-compassion, simple things. So this superstar, and I only bring you the best, social worker, spiritual teacher, speaker, life coach, author of three books, comedian, and musician. I love anyone who says, that box, not for me. I'm going to try it all. So let's find out more about Rita. And with that, I say thank you, thank you, and welcome. Thank you, Stephanie, for that wonderful introduction. Wow. I feel really good. I feel joyful. <laughs> well, it's simple words. Yeah. But if we really think about and apply those words on a soul level, yeah. just imagine. But before we even get into all of that, Rita, tell us about you anywhere you'd like to start. Oh, boy. So, I know you, you warned me about this question. I did. I so, did. I would say from a very young age, I wanted to change the world. Mm. Um, I wanted to help the world. I saw certain people in certain circumstances and other people in other circumstances and said, why? I don't understand. Why are these people suffering and these people are not suffering or in terms of like material stuff and support? So, very, I noticed that at a very young age, I always like to help people. I think that's been my purpose from the get-go and couldn't figure out, do I want to help people or be in business? I didn't understand that you could actually be in, in the business of helping people. So I grew up Catholic. So for a long time, I thought I was going to be a nun. That was sort of, wow. yeah. oh, so okay. I was younger. I went to parochial uh-huh. school and I thought, oh, these are the people that help people. Right. Mm. So, and I felt very drawn spiritually to what is unseen. So I thought, oh, maybe I'm supposed to be a nun. And then a very wise nun said to me, wait until you're 18 and then we'll talk again. So I realized that was not for me, not my path, but it was just very much into that. I used to go to New York City and I would make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and hand them out to homeless people. I just 
big heart, wanting to make change, wanting to help people. So that was sort of the background thread. I ended up going to a Catholic college. Mm -hmm. And when I graduated, one of the big things that you did as a graduate, if you wanted to, was you did sort of a Peace Corps program, but it was Catholic oriented. So I did that. I did refugee resettlement casework. So I literally would pick refugees up at the airport, bring them to their new apartment, get them food and supplies, and then get the adults employed and the kids into school. So it was like literally helping them resettle into a new country. Mm -hmm. I learned so Mm -hmm. much about the world, so much about who becomes a refugee and who doesn't become a refugee. You know, it's very political. I learned about surviving under terrible circumstances. I mean, most of these people had trauma going on in their background. So it was a very much of a growing up, learning about the world experience in my 20s. Then I decided I needed to go to social work school. I realized I couldn't do what I wanted to do without going to social work school. So I did that in New York City. And as you can imagine, as a New Yorker, there's a lot of need, right? There's Mm -hmm. a lot of need. It was an honor and privilege to be a social worker in New York City because of the extremes. Literally, if you're on the Upper East Side, you're probably in the 1% and then you go up a few blocks and you're probably in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, a very poor circumstance. So I learned a lot by doing that. I learned I wanted to work with women. And I think it was about, I kept saying, I want to work with women around their potential. And I think really it was my, I want to figure out my potential. Mm -hmm. So much of it was, I'm trying to figure myself out by helping others figure stuff out. Right. Let them show you. Yeah. I got married, had a couple kids and decided Mm -hmm. at this point I was living in the suburbs and decided I wanted to start a business because I wasn't busy enough, apparently raising three children. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, I hear there's some free time with that. Exactly. So <laughs> I start my own business and I was doing that. I was literally on training calls as I was nursing my youngest. Mm-hmm. I had toddlers on my knee as I was trying to close clients. I decided not to have any help because my mom had six kids and she didn't have much help. So I thought I can handle it all. I can do it all. I'm going to save my family. And what happened was one day I got a phone call around my business and realized that my business was really going into the toilet. It was no business. Okay. I spent a lot of money, but not made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I was in a panic and I muted the phone and I just started crying. And all of these beliefs came up as I was in that moment. And it was, here you are, you failed again. Mm. You're doing what you usually do, quit after six months how are you going to explain this to your husband that you just invested all this money and you can't make any of it back? I could probably fill in the rest of those lines because I'm sure at the time you think you're the only one. Yes. And I love the failed again, again. Yes. (laughs) And yet here we are random strangers that, yeah, no, I could, I could probably recite your speech that day. Yes. More than once. Yes. It was a very low time. And I'm so grateful for it Mm. because it forced me out of desperation to do something different than what I would usually do. And so what I did was I looked for a coach. I thought I was looking for a marketing coach because I kept clinging to, if I only could be successful this business, then I can feel better, right? Then everything will be I'm going to make it work. I'm going to make it work. Even though my (laughs) husband would say, are you having fun? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm totally having fun fun right now. Don't talk to me, but I am. Can't you see this face? This This face is is fun. fun. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. I just kept going and going and going. Uh-huh. And going. Uh-huh. So I found this coach and in our first session, he said to me right now, Rita, can you just be kind and gentle with yourself? Mm. And it was like, boom, it like hit me. Part of me went, are you kidding? What? No. What? What's the point? And then the other part said, Rita, just try it. You're a good student. So I, for that brief moment, maybe a minute, I was kind and gentle with myself and I just wept for like a solid minute, just the mm-hmm. relief of not beating myself up anymore for yeah. that. Minute. And for that moment, I wasn't a failed person. I was just being kind and gentle with myself, which sounds very simple, but I'd never really considered it. And I'm not saying that the people in my life didn't suggest it. They might have. It just, I couldn't take it in. Or nor maybe it was modeled. Nor yeah. would you know. I mean, they could say things, but if they weren't, your mother was raising six kids, you said. Yeah. So go, go, did go. she have a, you know, Calganite take me away moment? I don't think she enjoyed right. exactly. that quiet. With, exactly. you know, uh, something tells me she might not have, but. And the thing is, she made it look so easy mm. that I thought it was going to be easy to do those things. And it turned out she was just really good at it and very practiced. And so it was like, sometimes I would say, I feel like watching my mother and mother is like watching the Olympic swimmers and then jumping in the pool and thinking, <laughs> it's a big deal. And you're like, ah! you know. <laughs> That's and like, where were you in birth order? I was the youngest. Guess what? She was a gold medalist by then. But I think if you asked your older sibling what they saw for child two, three, and four, they saw the work in progress. Every kid gets a different mother in a family. Yeah, absolutely. They were very chill by the time I came. They're just like, just don't. Absolutely. Clean up the blood on the carpet. Law law of averages. She can raise herself. It'll be fine. So here I was. So when I started working with this coach, I thought he was going to work with me on closing clients. And so he did this exercise with me. I wept. I wept like maybe three months, every phone call. I just Mm -hmm, wept mm -hmm. first 15 minutes. And the journey that we went on was actually taking a step away from what I was doing, including my business. That was a big one for me. Like, well, no, I'm not going to quit. He's like, you're not quitting. You're just taking a pause. Just Mm. take a pause, take a step back. And look at what's motivating you. What's really stressing you out? Not like because your kids get up at five in the morning or because you're Mm -hmm. late to school or whatever. Right. Right. Underneath that. And I realized that at my core, what was underneath that was I'm not worthy. I'm not Mm -hmm. enough. I'm a failure. I have to work really hard to earn my worth. And so that was constantly driving me. And driving me nuts, really. It wasn't, I thought it was working. I thought it was what was going to save me, but it was really keeping me. Yeah, interesting. Right, right. And your story that you wrote that kept repeating and probably, I want to say unrealized because there was probably no reason or no proof that you should think that way. But yet you kept to it you're a good student. You, you kept it. Yeah. That's right. right. Yeah. And I think a lot of women are, have core beliefs, like I'm not Mm -hmm. worthy. I don't deserve this. I have to Mm -hmm. work really hard in order to get love or success is about struggling, 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 or I can't be happy unless I've accomplished X. 
There's all different flavors Correct. of this. Right. Or I'll be happy when, as mm-hmm. soon as this happens, I'll yes. be happy. I'll be grateful. I'll be, you know, yes. fill in the blank. Yes. We tell these lies to ourselves all the time. So as I started on this journey and I realized that it just kept coming up as a theme of every time I was stuck, I would say, okay, can you just be kind and gentle with yourself right now? Mm. That would give me enough wiggle room to be in a different part of my brain that was maybe a little more creative and, and innovative. I wasn't in fear anymore. And once you get out of that survival part of your brain, there's a lot more available to you. So that's what I worked on with him for months and months. And then I started noticing other women in my neighborhood who were just as miserable, had uh, maybe a lot of the material resources, but just weren't enjoying themselves. They weren't, right. weren't having a good time at all. And I think also a lot of women that I work with think once they get the material stuff or get the degree or get the Tony career, the if one, right? The if one, they're going to be happy and then they're not. And then they're like, what the hell yeah. do I do? Yeah. It doesn't change or it'll be different once we get married. Mm, leopards, they don't change their spots. Yeah. What you see is what you get. People really right. show you what they are. I mean, what you get is, I say, like almost a fleeting emotion. And joy isn't, you know, doesn't stay with you. It's also kind of a like, oh, was that just joy? Okay. But it's an easy one to go back to. Like, oh, remember when? Wasn't that just so great? And like, you know, aromatherapy, when you smell something and it brings, you know, it brings you back because it gave you a good result. It gave you a good memory. So what I love so far about what I'm hearing, you don't just wake up at that point. And usually you've had, in your case, also a coach to help you along. It's very hard to do it on your own because we think we've got it. We think, uh, you know, all right, I read the book. I, I, I can do this. But when you have that independent person who doesn't really care what your background, it doesn't care. He or she, you know, they're working with what's presented in front of them and what they see and what they see past that you can't see. Yeah. I like to think that coaches and therapists and practitioners mm-hmm. are the people that help you cut the hair in the back of your head. You could Ooh, that's hair. good. For oh me, God. I'm not so great, especially at cutting the hair in the back of my head. You can do it. Or even blow drying it. Forget or cutting it. Yeah. Or even yeah, blow like, drying it. Like it's possible to do. Yeah. It takes a lot more time. It's not going to look probably Correct. great. But if you have someone who can look from a different perspective ah. back, when you don't see the back or, wow. or you know what I mean? Like half of the things that I say to my clients are, I understand why you feel that way from my perch. Mm. See, like women are notoriously terrible at seeing how far they've come things that they've actually accomplished because they're so focused on what they haven't accomplished mm-hmm, they can't mm-hmm. see what they've actually done right will dismiss ignore oh yeah oh yeah all that yeah. stuff so, so i did write that is, yeah hey remember last week when you were so yeah. upset and then you turned it around oh right 
Yeah. Hey, remember, you know, you, you have these beautiful children. What are you talking about? You can't commit to things. You just committed to your kids for 18 years. What are you talking about? So sometimes it's just reminding them right. how far they've come or what they've achieved so far, how they turned it around before. So you do what I enjoy, which is you become enlightened by having a coach and and rediscovering and reframing and, you know, looking in that mirror a little differently and working it. It doesn't just, I journaled today, I journaled all month. It's practice because I know it's the muscle. It's like any good muscle memory, you know, you want to get buff arms for the season. Okay. You got to work at it. And, and the same thing with what we think about ourselves and, Why do you find, I'm curious, because you said it earlier, we don't lead with our wins. Why is it, is it the gender? Is it society? And maybe, I don't don't know if it's like generational, um, older, 62, don't shine too big, you know, don't shine too bright. Like, you know, oh, it's just me. Everyone just ignore me. I just entered the room. Like growing up, I wasn't like that. I wanted the spot. Like I wanted like, okay, I'm here. Let the fun begin. But I did get swatted down a lot. I think one of the things that, I mean, there's so many different factors. There's societal Mm -hmm. mores and structure and all that stuff. But I think in just in the brain itself, we have a tendency to look for danger because we want to survive, right? That's the part of our brain that says, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm here in your brain to make sure that you keep it safe, keep you safe. And part of keeping you safe is I have to look out for danger and danger can be, I'm going to be kicked out of the group. Mm -hmm. So a sense of belonging, right? So if you shine too brightly and then you see Mm -hmm. shining too brightly as a threat to staying in the group or your parents think that. And so Mm -hmm. they go, hey, Mm -hmm. hey, hey, it's fine. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what we're going to go. Oh, if I shine, that's potentially dangerous. I better not. Mm -hmm. Also, in terms of the caveman times, if you're not looking out for danger, you could die at any moment. So I think there is sort of a biological Mm -hmm. DNA type thing going on there where you're, you're just looking for danger all the time. So you could survive. I'm sure there's also generational trauma. So Mm -hmm. things that we inherit from our generation, whether we're part of a group that has been traumatized or just in our family that we literally in our DNA can inherit that. And then you have just how you grew up. If your family culture is you're out there and you're doing stuff, then that's great. If it's stay quiet and better not heard or seen, then you're going to do that. Or what you see in your family, someone got on stage and was, and was incredibly embarrassed. You learn from that as a kid. Mm-hmm. And the message is that is potentially terrible and dangerous. I am going to steer away from that. So there can be a lot of factors. There's also personality types. So some personality types are hypervigilant for a variety of reasons. And if you're hypervigilant, you're looking for danger all the time. The worst case scenario. Right. When's the other shoe going to drop? I grew up with parents who were born and grew up during the depression. Do you think they wasted anything? No. They focused on certain things, education, not things. Mm-hmm. They were always worried about a financial snafu. Mm-hmm. So they were very frugal, and which is a great thing to, there's a lot of positives to that, but sure. the downside can be worrying about a that. A little lack. 
Yeah, a little lack at any moment right. and you can't mm-hmm. control it. And what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of factors that go into this. And by the way, none of them are our fault. It's just no. the cards we have, but there are ways to weaken those parts and strengthen the part of the brain or the part that goes to that part of the brain that is more expansive and innovative and creative and empathic. Uh, empathic. So there is hope. Let's start there. Yes. Okay. And then is there one or two examples of you can start by? Yes. One of the big ones is being kind and gentle with yourself. So spending some time, a minute, 30 seconds, especially when you're feeling a little uncomfortable, that discomfort comes up to just take a pause, take a breath. I like to close my eyes or I look out the window. I have a beautiful tree. Mm -hmm right next to us. And I just take a pause and breathe and go, okay, Rita, can you be kind and gentle with yourself right now? And just being in that pause and breathing and looking at the tree or closing my eyes really helps reset my brain. You also spoke your name. You spoke to yourself. So say your name, speak to you. And it's funny, I do that, but I do it in the opposite way when I'm going on a rant and I'll be like, Stephanie, are you fucking kidding me? Come on, you know, and that's my, when I'm yelling at myself, but now I will take the pause and <laughs> still address Stephanie. Correct. It's, yeah. it's, it's not stopping. It's not like, oh, let me lay down and take it. It's none no. of that. It's you did it while we were here talking. You glanced away. You took a breath explained it's doesn't have to be and it resets it totally resets you don't have to be in the lotus position on top of a mountain (laughs) you can do that you can do that yes there's something to do that but you know it's sort of like when you talk to people about yoga you could do a two-hour hot yoga class and you're going to get something from that you can also sit on a mat for a minute in a posture that's also yoga right? Mm. You can also do yogic breath. So there's lots of different, I like to weave things through my day because Mm. my mind will talk me out of an hour long yoga session. But I know if I get on the mat or if I take the breath, or if I do something for two minutes, then I can keep that steady being in that flow. I have no excuses not to do it. No excuses. Mm. Because I have a minute I may not have an hour, but I have a minute. And that's where it starts. So little cookie crumbs. And as you said, you know, like little stitches just to weave it. And then I think you would be very surprised how you can the, you know, little snippets of a minute. By the time you sit down, it's a minute. I mean, who are we really kidding? Honestly, by the time you think about, so you've taken the mat out, now you're sitting and then you sit for a minute. That's three to five more minutes that most people probably wouldn't have taken yep. just for themselves. Yep. Very guilt-free because again, it's not as though they're laying down and taking a nap in the middle of the day and lucky them if they can, or let me just read the book for another chapter. Those are all fine. I, I don't know at what point we got on this runaway train of life that needs to fill every waking 
yep. moment. Yeah. And when you said earlier, when you have a tree right outside of your window, nature is the outdoors, wherever you live. I, a few episodes back, I interviewed this woman. She lived in Alaska and she was doing this 365 day outside project outdoors. So she spent 15 minutes outdoors every day and describe the tundra of where she lived. And during a big storm, they bundled up, they went on the other side of the hill, just trek out and trek in just to keep it going type thing. And it wasn't like, oh my God, we have to go outside today. It's like the outdoors, again, totally free. Yeah. Totally free. We're made to be outdoors. Yeah. We're made to be barefoot and outdoors, right? Mm. So nature is an incredible healing force. Mm-hmm. If we mm-hmm. allow ourselves to use it. And you're right. It's absolutely free. It doesn't have to take a lot of time. Yeah. I have been known if I feel really ungrounded to literally lay down on the ground, mm-hmm. feel that it's very grounding. It literally, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a whole schools of thought about just walking barefoot. I mean, they've mm-hmm. written books about that, right? The connection, so, sure. Connection Absolutely. That, that electromagnetic connection with the earth where we are made to do that. So pausing can help that happen. Breathing slowly, focusing on your breath, looking at nature, being in nature, feeling nature, go hug a tree. Mm-hmm. I am a tree hugger. I love the trees because they're so still. And yet at the same time, completely active, you know, there's all sorts of things going on with the tree. So those are all really powerful ways. Taking a walk, you know, on my calendar, I still keep a paper calendar Mm -hmm. and I write on there a hundred squats, 20 push-ups, mindfulness exercises, and taking a walk every single day. Cause I know every single day I can do that and it makes a difference. So three books. Now, again, we kind of like just skipped over all of the things uh, that you've done so far. And I always say so far. And again, you're a wonderful example of, and so I wanted to be a social worker. Then I was a social worker. And then I wanted to, you know, and then I saw my neighbors also struggling and I could see the morph right into the coach. And and, And it's the, and then, and thens you look at all of your little journeys, all of your little trips, all of your experiences are all obviously teaching experiences for the next move, for the next whatever. And published author, three books, The Self-Compassion Project. Yeah, that's really my main book. Yeah, that's Uh really the one that I'm wanting people to look at. So the self-compassion project came from a course that I was teaching called Mm -hmm. self-compassion course, because I being kind and gentle with yourself question just kept coming up ever since I was coaching people. That was what we would go to almost immediately because it's really hard to think of solutions and different ways of seeing things if you're not in that part of your brain. And the way to get to me, the way to get to that part of your brain is slowing down, pausing, breathing having kind and gentleness with yourself. And then you're relaxed enough and you have enough wiggle room to start asking yourself questions like what's Mm. going on here. I'm so sorry. This is happening. What do you need right now? You know, how do we move forward? 
so I was teaching a course basically on the power of what I discovered, which was the power of compassion and why we don't give it to ourselves. And as women, oftentimes we give it to everyone else, right? But it's that standard cliche, why don't we put the oxygen mask on ourselves so that we yeah. don't miss out trying to help other people? The fact that it's even a direction. I know. Quite honestly, it, it comes in handy because we use it quite often. But the fact that it's not a natural inclination right. and we have to be directed yeah. each and every time. Like, it's yeah. so amazing that that's not just a learned behavior because it's not. Yeah, I think, you know, part of it is the biological instinct for mm-hmm moms to protect their children under all circumstances and to sacrifice yourself to do that, that genetic mm-hmm. pull mm-hmm. to sacrifice for yeah. the next generation. But it also speaks to that we are socialized to sacrifice ourselves on the altar of being nice and pleasing others and always looking for others instead of ourselves and not even knowing maybe what we want anymore, but we're very in tune with what everyone else wants so that everyone else can feel okay. And then we can relax. I think that's also part of our culture around women is we're great nurturers. Like all these things have great strengths to them, but Mm -hmm. when they're overused or we go into that shadow part, that overuse and use for destructive agendas, then that's where it goes awry. So our natural inclination to maybe be nurturing and caring and tending and mending turns into people pleasing, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. not sacrificial, speaking, destructive, mm-hmm. and using those things don't even give us what we are doing them to try to get. In other words, right. when we get into people pleasing mode, that's really just an agenda to try to get love and acceptance through making everyone feel better, Right. And it backfires because first of all, it's going to feel better. People stop trusting you because you're always trying to do for them and you're not honest with what you need. And I only know that because I was a huge people pleaser that Mm -hmm. was trying to be safe and trying to be, get approval Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was trying to please everybody. And it's, it just doesn't work. You know, maybe it works like a little bit, but long-term it's, there's too much cost to it. And it, it doesn't give you what you really want. No, I mean, you need the yin and yang of life which is why, you know, you have that. And yeah, does it feel good to give? Absolutely. You know, when like you see something and you're like, oh my God, Rita would love this. I can't wait to get this for her. But yes. at the same time, if then you were to give give me some, I'm like, oh, you didn't have, no, no. And a lot of times what people don't realize is there's so much joy in seeing something received as yes. it is giving. And we take that away from you steal the joy of that transaction. And we have to really become good receivers, go back to, of course, you're worthy. And oh, isn't that just so nice of someone that they thought of you and they, you know, this reminded them of you and wow, thanks so much. But You're like, oh, no, 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 you didn't have to. Yeah, I think a lot of becoming awake is becoming Mm. aware Mm. of what your hidden agenda is, which can be really humbling when you realize, oh, my God, I'm not really authentically loving. I'm doing something with an agenda. It's very conditional, Mm. right? I'm giving to this person so that they approve of me. 
And then I may even resent them because they're not approving of me, right? Yep. Or I'm only focusing on the person who doesn't like me and I'm ignoring all the people who love me. And this all cuts into the joy. These are joy killers. Yeah. They're joy killers. They don't bring you joy. And in fact, I would say also that oftentimes when people habitually use these ways of being, they can't tolerate a lot of joy. Have you ever noticed that like you have a, a limit to the joy that you're willing to receive before you start either looking for something negative or complaining Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. literally sabotaging the joyful moment so that you can go, okay, let's take a break. Yeah. That was, this was too much. Isn't that so interesting? So your self-compassion project. So that is a result of some of your courses and what will a reader find when they, when they open that book, they're going to find three sections. The first Mm -hmm. is about compassion, what compassion is and what it's not. Then they're going to have a whole section on acceptance. That is a book in itself, but it it really goes together. When you can feel compassion for yourself and accept where you are and what you Mm -hmm. are in that moment, Mm -hmm. and then bringing those together to integrate it all into your life. That's where like the, the rubber meets the road. Can you do this in a traffic jam? Like everyone says they want peace, they believe in peace, and then they go on the road and someone cuts them off. (laughs) That's that's where you get to really test how much peace you really want, right? So those are the three sections. And in each of those sections, there's prompting questions. There's a lot of room to write because I want this to be something that people take into bed with them with a cup of tea and maybe light a candle and they start cleaning, highlighting and a couple of tabs and yep. Yeah. So the main components are, there's a lot of different ways to go about this. There's quick ways and then there's more in-depth ways, but the more Mm -hmm. in-depth way is really feeling what you feel, allowing yourself, welcome in whatever you're feeling at the time. Cause that's another thing people don't do. They suppress their feelings Mm -hmm. right? and then they blow over and then you express your feelings. And this is about processing your feelings. You're going to feel whatever you feel and you're going to be writing that down in all the circumstances the story behind it. You're going to have deep compassion for yourself. I'm so sorry that you're suffering with this. I am so sorry that you get into that part of your brain where you can be the observer of yourself, be your own best friend instead Mm. of the person that beats you. Imagine. Yeah. And then you say, honey, what do you need right now? I'm so sorry. Mm. What do you need right now? Besides a chocolate cake or. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, do you need a hug? Do you need time? Mm -hmm. Do you You need some understanding and then you give it to yourself. That's where the rubber meets the road is. Can you give yourself what you need? I'm wondering as I'm hearing this, this sounds like it would be good to do in a small group as well. Again, for the like-minded that are perhaps on the journey and it's not for, I don't know if it's for the faint of heart or someone that dabbles, but it's going to definitely talk to a lot of people and there's a little strength in numbers. And when you realize that you're not alone, you know, you could do this with two or three other people that are ready, are ready to become awake and aware. I like them both that it would be, as you were talking, I'm like, wow, you know, imagine just, you know, going over this. And then, you know, when you read it out loud, it makes it real. And then other people can get a different perspective because they're seeing the back of your hair and you're not. No, absolutely. I, uh, for a while I was teaching 
a small group, we would do the book together every morning mm-hmm. for like a half hour. And then be like 15 minutes of like, Hey, what, what, no matter where you were in the book, what, what's going on for you? What did, what yeah. did you, usually people, yeah. say, you know, where they go, I had no idea I was being so hard on myself or some people get into like archetypes and like, oh my gosh, I realized I was treating myself as a scullery maid and I was in a castle mm-hmm. and it was the lowest of the low and I'm just scrubbing mm-hmm. the stone on the floor of the castle. That's how I feel. Right. And you're like, Isn't that wow. amazing. That's crazy, but not crazy because it's somebody's thoughts at the time. Yeah. And that's what they connect with, you know, and whatever your belief system is, maybe she was a scullery maid in a, in a previous, right. she tapped into that. But the, I guess the point is we don't realize what we're carrying around with us all the time. And if we're carrying around a scullery maid, then we act that way in life and don't know why people treat us like crap or why do we keep attracting terrible friendships or why Mm -hmm. we feel like we're always trying to please other people and they feel more superior to us and we feel low. You know what I mean? Like you go, whoa, what am I doing? It's so out of balance. Yeah. It's so out of balance. And scullery maids deserve a lot of compassion too. Maybe the scullery doesn't have to be in this lowly position. Maybe she could be honored as well. Right. And also when you're more compassionate with yourself, life's problems become potential opportunities and gifts. And this is a positive intelligence. I'm taking this Mm -hmm. from positive intelligence, but basically every moment really can be an opportunity and a gift if you view it that way. Now, there are some things that happen that are tragic and horrible. Mm -hmm. There are. What's the opportunity in that? The opportunity could be it's time to receive or it's time to rest or it's time to mourn, or it's time to get into a better relationship. I was going to say move on. Yeah. And then relationship could be with a person or with employment or yeah, it's time to move on. Or it's time to see what's really important in your life, or it's time to resolve some conflicts with people. So it's not just happy-go-lucky. It -hmm. can be, wow, it's really time to take care of my health. But if everything can become that opportunity or gift, then you don't have to be so afraid because when you're afraid, you cut your joy off, right? You're not allowed, you don't allow yourself to feel good because you're afraid where something really bad's going to happen. But what you got to get and you got to be ready for that. And you got to be ready for that. But what if something bad happening is an opportunity and a gift for something? Mm -hmm. Then you reframe how you approach life in general, because basically life's not what happens. It's your relationship to what happens. So if you could Mm. change your relationship to life, then joy could be something that you can allow in much more. Much more. It makes a lot of sense. Beautifully said, by the way, and beautifully laid out. I mean, the picture for me, um, as words get spoken, I get this visual and, and that's what I keep. I love that. Coaching workshops. Where do we find you? Where do you hang out? Tell me more. I'm on a, a lot of platforms. But I would say my website is a great place to go, becomingawake.com. That has all my events on it. It has my books on it. I'm on Facebook. I have a private Facebook group called Mm -hmm. Calm Mom Alliance. And then I do a lot of posting in there of people pleasing and about Mm -hmm. how to really have joy in your life and how to be more compassionate and asking questions and having people discussing different things. I'm also on Alignable 
Let's talk a little bit about Alignable because that's where we met and connected. And I'm in what, maybe two or three weeks now. So Alignable, it's networking for small businesses. Is that how you understand it as well? And I was actually introduced to it by one of my former guests. And then with that, I'm like, well, let's go. And I've had three phenomenal guests so far from Alignable, so I'm I'm really welcoming that new stream of opportunity. I wasn't looking for, or I didn't think I was looking for like a new networking channel, but something tells me I was because it's good. Yeah, I've met a lot of people that I really like on Alignable. One of their policies is no selling. We're not there to sell to each other. We're there to build relationships that could be possible collaborators or referral partners, Mm -hmm. and sometimes customers for sure. Mm -hmm. So I like that part. I also like that I'm in a position where I'm a co-leader of some groups, so I can do events. I do an event every Friday at noon in the business and personal well-being group, Mm -hmm. which is called Calm, Cool, and Connected. And I just introduce different concepts of what I actually do to the group. And it's been amazing to watch these business owners show up and they never take a pause or they never consider a different way of looking at what's going on with them, or they've never done any mindfulness and they always leave feeling better. That's my mission is like, Hey, if you could leave this group feeling better to start your weekend, wouldn't that be amazing? And you can repeat this stuff, you know, just repeat. And that's the hardest part really, which is why I have my programs, which help people do that. But it's a great platform for that. It's a great Mm -hmm. platform to share what you do, to make those connections with people because people know other people. I've used a lot of services from people on Alignable Mm -hmm. and I've also had people use my services. So it's great. Yeah. Big shout out to uh, Alignable. Maybe we'll talk to them about sponsoring. Anywho, Uh, (laughs) just saying, I'll put it out there for sure. Well, you certainly... Did not disappoint, my friend. You delivered, and not just a little reminder, you dropped some knowledge. It begins with us. We say it all the time. And becoming awake is a little reminder each and every day. And take that thread to keep building and weaving. I enjoy that one as well. Rita, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Stephanie. All right. Website, joyfoundhere.com. I want to see these comments because I think we should get some groups together and get the book. Let's get the book and do a little a little project, a little summer read, a little light summer read. But now is a good time, good as ever, to get a little self-compassion. Remember, just to always remember I say, just be kind, be kind to ourselves. It starts with us. And once we're good, Imagine all of the good that you're going to radiate and get it all back. Guys, until next week, love your reviews, love your ratings, five stars. Please keep that going. They say it's important. We're going to be having a contest next month. So get used to marking the five stars. That'll be good. And until next week, be well. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. 
Don't forget to head over to joyfoundhere.com for any questions, comments, and feedback. Until next week, keep your head up and your crown straight. You've got this.